Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life, so we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. I hope you are doing wonderful today. We've been uh, in this series, and we're on week four now, called It's Time for a Change. And in this series, we've really been talking about the fact that there are certain things that you and I will go through in life uh, that will not change just because the clock changed. Uh, there are certain things we will ch- see that, that, that will not change just because the calendar changed, but there are certain things that will only change when I change. And we're going into this next season of our life saying, you know what, I'm going to see change in my life, not just because I'm hoping that something around me is going to change, but I'm going to make decisions where I see change. Is there anyone in here that you've wanted to see God do some changing work in some area of your life? Yeah, well, that's wonderful. So I hope this is a blessing for you. I hope uh, that it continues to encourage you. And I want to go ahead and dive into a story today we find in um, 2 Kings chapter 7. And I'm going to be reading now the message paraphrase of the Bible today. And it says this, starting in verse three, it happened that four lepers were sitting just outside the city gate. And they said to one another, what are we doing sitting here at death's door? If we entered the famine struck city, we will die. If we stay here, we'll die. So let's take our chances in the camp of Aram and throw ourselves on their mercy. If they receive us, we'll live, and if they kill us, we'll die. We've got nothing to lose. (laughs) I love that. Today I want to speak to you, and my subject is very simple. It's called, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. That's fun to say. In fact, would you say it with me? Say, it's not my fault. (laughs) We see that all through Scripture, there are people... They get stuck in different areas of their life. And for whatever reason, the circumstances um, that they go through get them to a place where they felt like they were moving forward. And, um, And then all of a sudden they're stuck. And there's something that seems to happen with a lot of us is when we find ourselves in that place, we, we, we tend to start to play the blame game and we start to lean on that, that, um, statement. It's, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. But today what we're going to look at is the fact that our God has given us responsibility. What is responsibility in its simplest form? You just break the word down into the two root words of the word. It's the ability to respond. God has given us the ability to respond, and so he puts it on us. So I'm going to go ahead and just give you the take home for today. I'm going to give you the one central point. It's my main point. It's coming at you quick. It's coming at you right now. Um, I'm going to jump ahead to the end of the story and tell you this is what I hope you catch today in part four of the series is this, that it doesn't matter how you got stuck. It's our responsibility to overcome the excuses that inhibit us from getting out of what we're stuck in. So I believe that I could stand up here and talk for a while, but that's not going to help us. What we need is we need to look into God's word and hear what he has for each and every one of us today. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would speak to us. We know that your presence is already in this room and we thank you so much for it. We thank you that you speak to us today. So I pray that I get out of the way. I wouldn't be a distraction, but instead I'd be a mouthpiece for your word today and that we would all leave here um, 
feeling like we are, we're empowered to change uh, because of your, uh, the ability to respond that you've put in each and every one of us. So help us today, God, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, I want to talk for a moment about the blame game because I think that uh, none of us want to admit it, but a lot of us, we've played the game before. And I wonder, have you ever uh, just kind of thrown blame out there where you know you were the reason that you got yourself into a situation? You were the only, you can't blame it on anyone else. But what we try to do is we try to look for excuses around us. And really it's because this happened or it's because she did this or he did that. That's why I'm like, is there anyone who would be honest today to say you've ever blamed someone or something else for why you're in the circumstances that you're in today? Yeah, it's the blame game. It's, it's part of our sin nature. It's interesting because I, you don't have to look very far into scripture before you start to see you're like very powerful examples of this. If you look into Genesis, just going back to like Genesis chapter three, we see a story of Adam and Eve and they're in the Garden of Eden and the Garden of Eden symbolizes like a, con a constant communion with God. Like man being in close proximity with God, hearing him and, and, and God is having a conversation with man. There's this closeness there and God uh, in the Garden of Eden starts to explain to Adam and Eve that he's placed them in a place where they can have anything they want. He's given them freedom, but he puts a limitation on them to help them. He says, you can, have, you can eat from any tree in the garden you want, but don't eat from this one tree. And he puts a limitation there. Why? Because he shows us for you and I to live a full life, to have a life full of freedom. We, it's going to be a life that has limitations on it. You say, well, what does that even mean? It's like, because a lot of people go through life thinking that freedom is the ability to say yes, when actually true freedom is the ability to say no to certain things that you could say yes to. So God starts to explain to Adam and Eve, like, this tree would not be good for you. We, I don't want you to eat of it. And, and, and we could look at that and say, why is it that God wants to put limitations on us? Is he being mean to us? Like, is he trying to keep something from us? But no, he's given us the manufacturer's instructions. It's like if you were to buy a phone from a cell phone company and that, that cell phone company would say, don't put your cell phone in the microwave. It, it won't function if you put it in the microwave. You go, oh, well, that makes sense. It wasn't created uh, to, to exist in that environment. That's exactly what God's doing with us. He says, listen, there are certain things that I, I didn't create you to, to, to just live in sin. I didn't create you to just do life on your own. I created you to rely on me and to be obedient to me. So if you live a life where you're disobedient to me and you eat from from this tree and it, it, it's gonna destroy you, it's gonna hurt you. So he starts to explain that this is not a good thing, okay? Don't, stay away from the tree, don't, don't go there. And if you know the story, you know that the enemy comes and takes on the form of a serpent and tempts Eve and she eats of the fruit and then she gives some of the fruit to Adam and he's tempted and he eats of the fruit. And, and that's where we pick up the story here and it, it's such a powerful example of what is really going on on the inside of so many of us that we struggle with. And it's found here in Genesis 3, verse 9. It says, so God called to the man, where are you? He said, and this is, this is Adam talking. He said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid. And God said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you gave me as a companion, she gave me the fruit from the tree. And yes, I ate it. I love this statement because in one sentence, uh, like I've done this before, in one sentence he blames both the woman and God. <laughs> it's the woman that you gave me. So it can't be my fault, it's her fault and it's your fault. 
He's like, yeah, but I, I guess I, I ate it. I, it's like, like kind of, sort of, God. I kind of, sort of did this. It's like, you know what he should have done is he should have just come out with some honesty and been like, God, yeah, I did. I don't know what's wrong with me. I was trying to impress Eve more than I was trying to please you. So I ate it. I, I said, I, I messed up. You made me. You know what's wrong with me. I don't know what's wrong with me. Would you help me? But, it, but that's not what he did. It, like, why? Why? Do we play this blame game? I wonder, is there any of you that you're at a point in your life where you're just like, man, I don't want to play this blame game anymore. I need some honesty and I need to be able to say, God, I'm jacked up and I need your help. And I don't know why I do the things I do, but I, I, I can't just sit here and, and point the finger at everyone else anymore for my mistakes. I, I need your help, God. Is there anyone in here you just like, I'm so sick of putting up a false front. I'm so sick of acting like I got it all together and acting like it's the circumstances that, that got me where I, where I am today because I know deep down on the inside I'm where I am today because of my own decisions. My own jacked up self made the decisions that got me where I am today. And that's the truth. But I think that we see something here with Adam and Eve in this story in Genesis chapter three that all of us deal with and that's the, the blame game. And it's part of our sin nature. That, that we, we can't possibly take the responsibility on ourselves for what happened to us. So what happened to Adam and Eve next is that they were kicked out of the garden. And that they lost that consistent communion they had with God, that, that consistent conversation that they had with them. So they ended up stuck in their lives because uh, of decisions they made. And what they did is they, they tried to play off the excuses instead of taking responsibility for their own actions. But the good news and what I want to talk to you about today is the story that we just looked at in 2 Kings is actually a beautiful contrast that shows us that, yeah, you and I, we all deal with the, the temptation to blame other things and to make excuses in our life. But these four men, these four lepers, they're a beautiful example of the fact that this sin nature can be overcome and this, this wanting to make excuses for where we're at can be overcome so that we don't stay stuck in life. And man, we don't want to be stuck in life. And these lepers, they didn't want to be stuck where they were. As we look in their story, we see that there's four men and what they're dealing with is leprosy. And leprosy, uh, it was a skin condition that, where there's sores and there's itching. There's all sorts of stuff that comes with it. And what we know about leprosy is leprosy was highly contagious. So what that really means is any person that got leprosy, most likely it wasn't their fault. Because you, you get it by someone else that has leprosy touching something and then you go touch it. Or someone else that has leprosy bumping into you and now all of a sudden it, you've got it. And so it wasn't their fault. And, and really leprosy is a metaphor for our sin nature. That it's a debilitating and agitating sickness that we all have. And, and, and it's, it, it's, you don't get to pick it. You don't get to pick your brokenness. You don't get to pick your weaknesses. You don't get to pick your strength. We all have uh, propensities and proclivities to do certain things, to be tempted by certain things. And for some people in this room, it might be uh, a loose tongue where you're just talking too much and you get yourself into trouble all the time with your mouth. It, it could be anger. It could be your temper. It could be some sort of sin pattern. We all have it. The truth is we all have some form of leprosy as we look into this story. And the truth is, it's not your fault. It, it, it happened to you. It's, it's something that we all deal with. And, and that's what's going on with these lepers is they, they were looking around at the fact that they were stuck outside the city gates because they weren't welcome in the city anymore because of their leprosy. And they're going, this wasn't my fault. 
Uh, I didn't choose leprosy. I didn't get up one day and say, hey, give me leprosy. That's what I want with life. I want to just be stuck outside. No, this happened to them. And on top of all the physical ailment that they had with leprosy, we know that their city was under siege. That the whole city was being attacked by another enemy that they didn't even expect to become. And I wonder, have you ever felt like you found yourself in a fight that you didn't expect, that you didn't antagonize, you didn't instigate it, and now all of a sudden you're in a fight? Your kids start rebelling, so you're coming home from school, uh, you're coming home when they're coming home from school, and you're like, wait a minute, where's all this attitude coming from? I didn't expect this fight right now. I don't need this right now. I'm just trying to get through my day. Something happens with your spouse, something happens at your job, and you're like, I was just trying to do life normally, and now something else is happening. This wasn't my fault. And these uppers, they're dealing with their own skin condition. They're dealing with a city that's under attack. And then the Bible also says that they're dealing with a famine, that there's a drought taking place. Have you ever felt like you're in a drought? Joy drought, happiness drought, peace drought. For a while, you had peace, you had joy. You had happiness, and now it's like you can't even, you can't even find it anymore. You can't muster it up. On the outside, you could, you could put a smile on your face and try to make other people think you've got it, but the truth is, uh, on the inside, it's like you're, you're, you just feel dry. And all of these things, they didn't choose it. So you, you could imagine, they're sitting here, and, and they're getting hit uh, with, on three different sides, a, a drought, a, a city that's under siege. They're getting hit with their own physical ailments. They're, they're, hit, they're sitting here, and you could just imagine, we could put ourselves in their circumstances and just imagine they're sitting outside the city gates and they're commentating on all the problems. Because that's what we do, right? It's like anytime we find ourselves in, in circumstances we don't like, we've got to come up with reasons of why it happened. And we start looking for the blame. Well, you know what they should have done. The city should have been ready for this. The city should have known that the enemies might attack. So they should have had, like fortified our walls better and been ready for some sort of attack. We, our, our army should have been out there ready to go. You know, the city should have known that there was going to be a drought. So if our leaders would have known, then they would have stored up water and stored up food. So here we are stuck in this. It's all because they didn't make the right decisions. Where are the health codes at? We're like all these people with leprosy walking around touching things. And now all of a sudden I'm sick. It's like they're calm commentating on their calamity, right? And at some point in the conversation, we see that something clicks because they recognize, wait a minute, me commentating about my circumstances has not stopped my itching. I'm, I'm coming up with the reasons of why all this happened to me, but I'm still hungry. I'm coming up with excuses of, of, of why all these things have happened and how this is just the plant and the circumstances that my life is dealing with right now, but I'm still going to die of starvation if I'm sitting here. So you know what? I don't have to let the reasons why I ended up stuck here outside the city gates be the excuses why I spend the rest of my life here. So I'm not going to let reasons become excuses. And these four men say, you know what? We are going to do something about this. I'm not going to die here. I, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do something. And it might be crazy, but, but I'm going to go to the enemy's camp. I'm going to go to another city. I, I might get killed, but it's better than just sitting here. I will not die here today. And man, I hope some of you get that in your spirit, that, that God has, is calling you to do and better things. He has a hope and a plan and a purpose for your future. And some of you have been sitting on the side of the road, and he wants you to get a little bit of this attitude that these lepers got in them where they said, you know what, I will not die here 
here today. And just because I've gone through something in my past doesn't mean that that has to be the outcome of what my future is. So my future demands that I start making changes, that I get on my feet and I start walking because if I just sit here and look for excuses for the rest of my life, I'm gonna die. And that's what they're saying in this story. If we sit here, we're gonna die. If we go into our own camp, we're gonna die. We've gotta do something about this. So they decided to go to the enemy's camp. He decided to go to Aram, and, and this is what the Bible says. So after the sun went down, they got up and they went to the camp of Aram. And when they got to the edge of the camp, surprise, not a man was in the camp. The enemy had left. So the master, this is speaking of God, had made the army of Aram hear the sound of horses and the mighty army on the march. And they told one another, the king of Israel has hired kings of the Hittites and kings of, the, of Egypt to attack us. And panicked, they ran for their lives through the darkness, abandoning their tents, their horses, donkeys, and the whole camp just, and left the whole camp just as it was, running for dear life. So they couldn't have known it while they were just sitting outside the gate, but when they took responsibility for their own lives and they said, we're gonna do something about our own change and we're gonna see breakthrough, that's when they got forward into the enemy's uh, camp and started to recognize that when they started moving, that's when they saw God had already been moving on their behalf. That God had already scared the enemies away. That God had already left that provision for them right there in the camp where they were supposed to be, where they were going. So, so they didn't even recognize that God was on the move until they started to make a move. And the Bible says that these four lepers entered the camp and went into the tent and first they ate and drank. So they're like, let's throw a party. <laughs> it's just four of them in the whole enemy camp. Like, forget everyone else. Let's have a good time right now. And then they, they grabbed the silver and gold and clothing and went off and hit it. And then I love this. They came back for more. Then they came back, entered another tent, and looted it again, hiding their plunder. So wow, what was acquired by the wicked was turned over to the righteous. And these men would have missed out on it if they would have spent the rest of their life making excuses and allowing that to be why they sat on the side of the road. See, if they would have just sat there and used their circumstances as excuses, they would have missed God's breakthrough for their life. And I wonder how many of us in this room, we've, we've got to a place where things have happened to us and We've gotten tired of fighting. So it's just, it's easier to blame the economy. It's easier to blame what your ex-spouse did. It's easier to blame the fact that you were laid off. It's easier to blame the health condition. It's easier to blame all these other things around us uh, and use them as excuses of why we sit still. But we see here in this scripture, this beautiful contrast of the fact that, that we could get in us an attitude, just like these, these lepers had, where you say, you know what, I'm not gonna let what happened to me be the reason why I stay stuck for the rest of my life. And I think there's a lot of us in this room that we wanna see change. And maybe we're not even gonna come out and be honest about what we wanna see change in, but we wanna see change. Well, I wanna give you, we only have a couple minutes left together, I wanna give you three things that these men did that you and I can learn from. If we want to take responsibility for our lives and see change, this is what we see in these men. To take responsibility, number one, we see that these men, they stopped the sulking. They stopped sulking. See, I'm gonna argue for a moment that sulking is human, and that sometimes it is an appropriate response because it can be grief. And you and I, we're gonna go through things sometimes where uh, we need to grieve. 
It might be a loss of a loved one. Uh, we have hopes or dreams for something and it doesn't turn out and we need to grieve that for a moment. We need to go through times of grief where we, we appropriately look through why we're experiencing the feelings we're having. Because some people will tell you, you just don't need to feel that way anymore. You need to move on. But the truth is, a lot of times we need to listen to our feelings and, want, and ask the question, why am I feeling this way and what can I learn from it? That's a time of grief. But at some point... If you want to move forward, you have to stop the sulking. And this is why. When you're sulking, you're not emotionally sober. When you're you're sitting there and you're grieving, you're sulking, and you find yourself um, emotionally irrational, you don't make logical decisions. Right? Because if I'm sulking and I don't find myself emotionally sober, then, then you don't see your options. You don't see what's available to you. If we look at the enemies in the story, we see that the enemy camp, they panicked. They weren't emotionally rational. So what did they do? They did something crazy. They left, and they left everything that was important to them here in the camp. And that's crazy because you hear on the news all the time that when there's a fire or something, uh, people will go back into their house and get their most important items. Uh, when when there's a flood waters coming up, people will pack a truck full of their most important items and take them out. They'll think through, am I gonna need this? Even though we're in a tragic moment right now, am I gonna need this in the future? And here, these people, they were so amped up. They were freaking out to the point where they didn't even think through what was going on. They just left. And and when you are in the sulking stage and you're not emotionally sober, you won't think through your decisions. You won't see all of your options. And for us to see all of our options, it's like God's like, I just need you to calm down and think for a minute. I I just need you to take a deep breath and recognize that I'm God because if you can calm down for a moment and you start thinking, I can can start showing you that there's a way. I can start showing you that there's a way out because I'm the God of exits. He shows us that in Exodus, that he brings us out of things. So if you ever feel trapped, if you're with him, you are not trapped, he will make a way. But we don't always see the way sometimes. So, so we look at it, we see the Red Sea in front of us or we see the Jordan River in front of us and we think, I am stuck in this place. And he goes, no, 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 just call on me because I can make a way. Anytime there is a God, there is a way. And he is with you right now and he will make a way. And I don't know who this is for, but there's someone in here that needs to hear this. He is about to show you the way. As you start to take steps and, and move forward in your relationship with him where you felt like you've been stuck, he will show you the way. Anytime there is a God, there is a way and our God will make a way. So he says, just, just trust me and I will open up the seas. I will open up the Red Sea and let you walk through. Just trust me, I will make a way. He will say, I, I will stop the Jordan River so you can walk through and make a way. He says, I will knock down the walls of Jericho. So I can make a way for you. We are the children of God and he will always make a way for you. But he's like, you gotta, you first need to calm down and think for a minute. Don't just go acting irrationally. You need to calm down. It's like now I've got the T-Swift song in my head. It's like, you need to calm down. You're being too loud. Can you just not? See my daughters, I love it. They love it when I quote their music. It's awesome. That was just for you. Just for you, Rachel. Need to calm down. Where was I? T Swift, okay. But sometimes we just need to calm down and take a deep breath and think through things because God's like, listen, I will give you the answer, but I'm going to use your brain. I'm going to give you the answer, but I'm going to use the wisdom that I've already t- told you to gain through Scripture. It's like, because sometimes we pray and we pray and we pray and we don't think through things. And the truth is, let me just be hard and honest right now. Um, 
some of the worst decision makers I have ever met in my life are like highly spiritual people. Like faith people, loving on God, praying and praying and praying, but not thinking through a single thing they do. And it's like, that was a terrible decision. <laughs> like, well, and God's like, would you just calm down? Because what I want you to do is I, if I'm not giving you the answer, it's because I've already told you to gain wisdom. If, I'm not, if, I haven't, if God hasn't given you the answer, he wants you to use wisdom. That's why he tells us to gain wisdom. That's why there's a whole book in the Old Testament, it's the book of Proverbs that, that, that says to gain wisdom, to go after it, to find knowledge, because there are gonna be times in life where you need to sit down and think through, and, and that's exactly what these lepers did. They, they did a risk analysis on their different options. So they sat down, they started talking together, like, well, if we stay here, we're gonna die. If we go there, um, we might make it. And they took their different options and they started thinking, which one of these can I live with? That's decision-making. It's a powerful life skill that every one of us need to have. It's why God says, get wisdom, get wisdom, get wisdom, because we are supposed to pray and bring things before God, but many times the answer is in his word that he's already told you to go after, and he says, okay, so think it through, because if I told you in Proverbs, if I told you in one of the Gospels, if I told you that this is a principle to do in life, then follow that principle. So we gain his word, and we see that these men... The only way they were able to calm down and, and, and start to make right decisions is they had to stop sulking. So for them to take responsibility, number one, they had to stop the sulking. Number two, we learned from them that they understood the power of partnership. That there was four of them. And they came to the conclusion that they had options because they had a, a conversation together. And guys, we need each other. We need community. We need to come together and have conversations with one another. We have to have a circle that will help us. Because the Bible says that, that, that one can chase a thousand, but two can put 10,000 to flight. See, God's math is always multiplication. That when God allows you to partner with another person, he takes your results and he multiplies them. Because you might think, well, if one can chase a thousand, then two should be able to chase 2,000. He says, no, two can chase 10,000. It's like, I'm gonna give you multiplied results if you partner with other believers. Like, come together and I'll give you strength. I'll come together, I'll give you wisdom. I'll give you better results. And this is even true in marriage, that God doesn't just use addition. He doesn't take a half plus a half to make one whole. Instead, he takes one whole times one whole to make one whole marriage. That we don't go into marriage looking to add just simply um, to our own lives, but instead we look to come together to get multiplied results and have a strengthened marriage uh, with a singular focus together. So we see that God is always like, listen, if you just come together, if you come together with other people, what you're going to have is you're going to have multiplied results. And I wonder, do you have other people that you're coming together with and discussing things? Because what we see here is that they were each other's wise counsel. So do you have wise counsel in your circle? Because I know you have a circle, but are they wise? I know you have friends, but are they wise? Because you can have a circle around you and they can be, they can be dumb. <laughs> they can give you terrible advice. Let's just be honest. Like We already know who gives us good advice and who gives us bad advice. And I can remember in times of my life, I've had people around me who gave me terrible advice. <laughs> At 14 years old, um, I, I was asking my 14-year-old friends advice on how to meet girls, and they said, well, you gotta get their attention. And I let my friends talk me into growing my hair out past my shoulders. I dyed it green. 
right? And then I, they, they took me to a skate shop and I bought these pants that were like size 60 and there wasn't even a belt big enough for it. So I had to get a rope and tie this thing around me. Up. Like three grown men can fit in these pants, but I've got them tied up. I'm 150 pounds at the time and I'm wearing a shirt that's a triple XL. And they're like, Dan, you're gonna get the girl's attention. And they were right. Because I got the girl's attention and every one of them was like, stay away from that guy. <laughs> It was terrible advice, right? And here's the truth. You know which people in your life give you terrible advice. And I wonder, do you have wise people in your life? Are you looking for them? Because the truth is for many of us, you're not 17 anymore. And, and there's a lot of you in here that, that are 17, but there's a lot in here that, no, you're, you're 27, you're 37, you're, you're 67, you're 87. And, and here's the truth. You're gonna come to a stage in life where your circle needs to be more than just companionship to you. You're gonna to have to have some wisdom around you. It's like, no, but we're cool. We go to the mall together. No, that's for when you were in high school. You, now you need some people in your life that can help you process things and can help you go through your options and can help share wisdom with you. And if you don't have that, I wonder how is it that we're not praying about that more than anything else in life? Like, if you don't have good friends around you, good circle around you, wise counsel around you, how, how are we not praying for that? So we've gotta be the type of people that look for wise counsel and start praying for, God, would you bring some people around me who will love me enough to tell me if I'm being successful or not, if I'm making a good decision or not. The people around me that say, hey, you were in that room, you're a little standoffish, don't do it that way. Why? Well, because I love you. Like, that's gonna hurt you, don't do it that way. Do you have wise counsel? Because these men, for them to take responsibility and see breakthrough in their own lives, they first had to get to the point where they stopped sulking. Number two, they understood the power of partnership. And then last, but certainly not least, is they took the initiative for improvement. They took the initiative for improvement. See, no one came to get them where they were, so they had to go where help was. And maybe someone should have come and helped them, but they didn't. So they decided, I'm gonna take the initiative, I'm gonna do something about this. And I wonder how long are you gonna wait for someone to come and help you? Because a lot of people stay stuck in life because they never take the initiative. And I wonder if, if I told you that if we look in scripture, most of the miracles we see recorded in scripture were a result of Jesus responding to people who took the initiative to see change. That if we see the woman who had the issue of bleeding with, for 12 years, she said to herself, if I can just press my way through the crowd and get close to Jesus and touch the hem of his garment, then I'll be healed. And Jesus responded to that and she was healed. The Syrophoenician woman who had a daughter who was demonized and needed, needed deliverance, like she, just, she said, if I could just get close to Jesus and talk to him, she got there and she said, even the dogs eat from the master's table. Would you bless my daughter? And she was healed. See, they took the initiative, it, like Lazarus's sisters took the initiative initiative to call for Jesus when Lazarus was sick. Even at the first recorded miracle at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, we see that Mary took the initiative to ask Jesus, would you do something about the fact that this family is going to suffer disgrace because they ran out of wine? Would you do something about it? Jesus responds to our initiative. And I wonder if I told you, maybe God is waiting on you to take a step. Maybe God is waiting on you to do what you can do because God will not do for you what you can do for yourself. And in fact, a lot of times we see miracles happen when a person gets to the end of themselves and it's only after they do everything they can do that God will step forward and do what only he can do. 
And see, there's a lot of us in this room that we've just been waiting, 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 waiting. And the example we see in scripture is that this group of men that saw the breakthrough and saw that God was moving on their behalf even when they didn't know it, they only saw it because they took the initiative. I wonder, would you take the initiative to see your own change? Would you stop waiting around and just hoping that someone else would do it for you, but take the initiative to say, you know what, I'm gonna get closer to God. I wanna hear what his plan is for my life. I'm gonna trust him. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna start serving him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start moving forward. I'm gonna take every step I know how to take when it comes to my health. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in an exercise program. I'm gonna start eating right. When it, when it comes to my marriage, I'm gonna start reading books and, and start meeting my spouse's needs. I'm gonna do what I can do because then I wanna see the miracle of him doing what only he can do. And see, for us, to be the type of people to see change, we have to take responsibility. It's our ability to respond. So it doesn't matter how you got stuck. It matters that we take the initiative to say, I'm not gonna let my circumstances keep me stuck. I'm gonna take responsibility to do what I can do so I can see change. So church family, would you repeat after me? It's not my fault, but it's my responsibility. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person that's here in this room today. And I pray that as we are on this journey right now where we're learning to take steps and make decisions that are pleasing to you, um, that God, we would see change. That for people in this room that have dealt with the same cycle year after year, decade after decade, that we would begin to make moves right now and stop blaming the circumstances that are all around us for why we are where we are. For whatever reason that we're here now, we hold on to this truth and this principle that, that we can take steps today to change those circumstances. So God, I thank you for each and every person here. I pray that we, as we go, we would learn and get closer and closer to you, that we would look like you to our city as we go out from this place. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. I love you, church family. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10, 9. You can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.